all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Oral health is important in all ages, but it is especially important in our children and teens. And hopefully, the healthy habits they develop as kids will carry them into adulthood. Today, we're going to be discussing about oral health and all things teeth. We have Dr. Jason Basser, a local dentist and orthodontist, in with us today to help us with these discussions. Share your comments and questions with us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Oral health is important in all ages, but it's especially important in our children and teens. Hopefully, the healthy habits that they develop as kids will carry them into adulthood. So today, we're going to be talking about oral health and all things teeth. We have Dr. Jason Basser, a local dentist and orthodontist, on with us today to help with these discussions. We'll be taking your questions and comments, and we'd love to hear from you. So give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So welcome, Dr. Vassar. We're thankful to have you on with us today to talk about um, teeth and the importance of oral health. Um, Sometimes people forget that it's not just your mouth health. It actually affects your health overall, um, especially with heart conditions and different things like that. So oral health is very important, and so we are going to talk about that today. And thank you for coming in with us. Thank you. you Um, So he is actually an orthodontist, so we're going to get into a lot of orthodontic stuff, too, if you have questions for that. But we were going to start with just talking about some general oral health um, issues and brushing teeth and flossing and different things like that. So it one of the statistics I was reading when I was um, preparing for the show is actually 40% of children have tooth decay in cavities by the time they're in kindergarten, which is kind of staggering numbers, which... I mean, that's almost one in every two kids. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really common. Thank, thanks again, Morgan, for having me on today. And again, I, I am an orthodontist, so um, most of what I deal with is growth of the jaws and the teeth as they come in, getting the bite where it's supposed to be, you know, working on smiles and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, we are all trained as dentists, and we do see a, a large number of kids. Um, so I'll try to, try to answer the 
tooth-related questions as much as I can, and uh, if we need to reach out to our friends who are pediatric dentists, we can we can get more information for you on that. But yeah, it's tooth decay is so common, um, and it doesn't have to be. That's the thing with with prevent. You know, we know enough now with uh, you know things like fluoride and pre- preventative dentistry that you know a child is very reasonable for kids to grow up today without having a single single cavity. Um, and so a lot of what, what pediatric dentists and dentists in general do is educate our patients. That's the most important thing is that, you know, as parents, you know what's going on with your child's teeth because it's related. I mean, you, you, you there's stories in the news. There's one particular story from several years ago where a, a young man actually died from a tooth infection as a, as a child. So it's, it very much has a, has a, such an impact on the rest of your body, uh, you know, the health and function of your teeth. And it's often neglected because mm-hmm. we kind of lump it into a box. Well, here's the medicine part of it. And then here's the dentist, dent, the dental side of it. And they are interrelated Mm-hmm. Yes, very, very true. And why is it so important? You know, I, people say, oh, it's just baby teeth. You know, like they're going to lose those teeth anyway. But why is it important for parents to recognize that even in your toddlers and it's important to have oral health and not for them, to, especially you in orthodontics, because you have to deal with some of these problems later on, space issues. But explain to everybody why it's so important to keep those baby teeth in and to mm-hmm. keep those baby teeth healthy. Yeah, so you know we we are humans. We are not sharks, so we <laughs> we don't grow a new set of teeth every so often. Um, we only have we only have fifty two over the course of our life, um, and that's if you count the wisdom teeth. But uh, baby teeth or primary teeth are so important because you, you 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 hit on a couple of things there. But one of the things that baby teeth are so important for is maintaining the space for mm-hmm. proper development and function of the bite when the permanent teeth come in. That's so important. Um, the, the other reason baby teeth are important is your child has to have nutrition. Mm-hmm. And uh, chewing function um, is important and, and make sure that your child gets the, the nutritional needs that they need to grow during such a crucial period of their life, which is that age when they have baby teeth from, you know, six to nine months to a year all the way up to around seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, they are just baby teeth, but they're, they're so important to the long-term health of your child. Mm -hmm. It's not something that that you should ever neglect and say, oh, well, they'll just fall out or that kind of thing. Um, That being said, you know, it's never too late. You know, if your child's five, six, seven, and you've 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 unwillingly ne- neglected their oral health, you do have another set. Yes. <laughs> so you do, you do you do get another chance, but let's let's not use that that second chance. Yeah, and like we've talked about many times in here, is um, instilling those good behaviors and those good habits early, so that when they do turn five, six, seven, eight, and they're getting those new teeth in, that they already have those habits of brushing their teeth and flossing and things like that. So that's how you create the good habits is starting early. Absolutely. Um, So that kind of leads us into when should you start brushing teeth? Like when should um, a parent should, I mean, because usually you get teeth around six months old. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be really anywhere. Right. There are some one-year-olds without teeth. but oh, Absolutely, and some even two. Yeah. <laughs> at at, at yeah. that point, you really have needed to have been in and see what's going on, but it's not unusual. Every kid's different. That's always what, what we tell. You know, I have a three-year-old now, and ours, she got one or two teeth, I think, at about nine months old, and then she didn't hardly get any more 
teeth for several months, yeah. you know, and even I was worried about it a little bit for, <laughs> for a while. But uh, so it's, it's not unusual. Every kid's different in when they get their first tooth. But as a general rule, starting around six months, you're going to get that bottom front tooth start poking mm-hmm. through. And then the second one's going to come in down there. And then the top front two usually follow behind, but it doesn't always go in that order. Um, anytime you have a tooth that starts poking through those gums, um, within a six-month period, we really would love for you to get in to see uh, your dentist or your pediatric dentist. And the main thing, the main reason is so that they can monitor that everything's coming in properly. Um, and then they also want to help you and teach you how do I brush my child's teeth? You know, what do I need to do at this point to keep them healthy? And, you know, and that's difficult. That's difficult for me. I have a three-year-old. We'll talk about that more in a minute. And sometimes it's it's a pain for even a dentist to brush a three-year-old's yes. teeth. They just, they don't like to do anything that they don't want to do. But as a general rule of thumb, within about six months of that first tooth coming in, we'd love for you to develop a dental home um, and get that child used to being in a dental office. The last thing that you want to do as a parent is the first time your child ever sees a dentist, they're having a invasive procedure done like a cavity or a tooth pulled or that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. because that can set up very negative perceptions of going to the dentist that sometimes stick with patients throughout the rest of their lives. Yes, I think that's such a great point. And that's, that's part of the reason I encourage my patients' parents to get in as early as they can, because my, I love my dad to death, and he's the dentist, but I still hate going to the <laughs> dentist. Um, you know, and I mean, it's not a pleasant experience, even as adults, you know, mm-hmm. so much less as a child. So getting them used to it, trying to alleviate those fears that they have, um, you know, because they don't even like brushing their teeth. They're really not going to like a stranger trying to look in their mouth. Um, so getting them in early, I think that's a that's a great point, mm-hmm. is so that their first experience is not a bad experience. Right. Um, and, you, you know, you actually want to consider even, you know, if it's a six to nine month old and they've got a couple of teeth on the bottom, you don't even have to get out a brush. You know, you can take your finger mm-hmm. and just just rub over the top of those teeth and help, it helps get some of that bacteria and that plaque off. Right. Because as soon as there's a tooth in the mouth, there's a potential for bacteria and decay and gum disease. Um, even in very young kids. Yes, yes. Um, and on, on that note, one of the most common things that, that we see is uh, something called baby bottle caries. Mm-hmm. So caries is, an, is another name for a cavity um, in teeth. And this is actually still very, very common. And so, I get, you know, if you have a young child who still has a bottle and you don't hear anything else we say today, please do not ever put that child to sleep with a bottle. Yes. Um, because even formula... Uh, breast milk has 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 sugar in there, and then those bacteria will eat that sugar and create acid. And if it just sits in there over the course of the night, you can very easily have decay on every single tooth in the mouth, and that creates some very serious issues later on. So, um, no no baby bottles at bed if possible, and yeah. sure no baby bottles with anything in them besides water. Yes, yes. We're talking today with Dr. Jason Vassar. We're talking about oral health and the importance of taking care of your teeth. We'd love to hear any questions and comments you have, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So yeah, the bottle syndrome is bottle bottle mouth syndrome, I think is what they call it, mm-hmm. is um is unfortunately very common and we see it a lot. And that's another um, thing I always try to talk to my patients' parents about, especially around that nine-month-old visit, is try to get them start working on a cup. Because ideally, we'd have kids off bottles 
by 12 months of age, but definitely by 15 months old. Um, because like you said, they're getting, you know, their teeth and keeping that bottle in there, even if it is through throughout the day and not just at night, it's more exposure to those sugars for the teeth. Yes. Um, so yeah, so we definitely always try to get people not only not going to bed with bottles, but off bottles by a reasonable age, because by one, you know, there's some kids that don't have any teeth by one, but I've seen some kids have six, seven teeth at one years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely important not to go to bed with a bottle and to try to come off the bottle at a reasonable age, especially as you're getting more and more teeth. So, so yeah, so when that you start brushing teeth, um, which you should start at least wiping teeth down, right. but you can also use toothpaste, mm-hmm. um, a child, uh, children's toothpaste. Um, so when should you start doing that, and how much of the toothpaste should you be you be using? Yeah, so we'll talk in, in, in a minute about fluoride um, and the dangers of too much fluoride and that, that kind of thing. Uh, but as soon as your child has a tooth, it's good to start brush, brushing, it, brushing it or wiping it down with your finger and then moving on to a toothbrush when they can. When, when it's better for you or they have additional teeth. Um, <clears throat> it's generally recommended that your child not use a fluoride-containing toothpaste if they have access to other forms of fluoride, such as drinking water, which is almost every child who lives in the United States right now. Mm-hmm. So for most kids, it's not recommended to use fluoride in the toothpaste until they are able to spit, which is typically at least two and a half to three somewhere in that area because no matter the amount of fluoride that, that you put on your toothbrush, you want your child to be able to expectorate it or to spit it out into the sink and not swallow it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some great training toothbrushes, to- toothpaste rather, that don't contain fluoride but can foam up and create a soap-like effect that will help you as you clean those teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, it's a very, very small amount. Um, if you think it's too little... That's probably right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think the AAP says just a smear is yeah. the term that they use. So and, just barely any. Yeah. And even with our three-year-old right right now, we put, you can barely see it on there. You take it, rub it in with your finger so it foams up really good, and then use it to brush. Have your child stop and spit on occasion. And this this is with the fluoride toothpaste, but you can start training them as soon as, as, soon as they're able. Yeah. yeah. Well, it looks like we have a caller. So we'll go to Charlie. Go ahead, Charlie. Hello. Hi. How are you all? We're doing good. How good, are you? Thanks. Good. Um, just a quick thing. I did have that um, bottle rotted teeth syndrome when I was a baby, and I had oral surgery and had, I believe, ten teeth removed. It was terrible. I had false teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a little girl. Um, but anyway, the what I was really calling about were the um, powered electric toothbrushes for kids. Um, I have an eight-year-old now of my own and we used to use just regular old toothbrushes and we were at the dentist and saw one that they were recommending at the time and we got it and it even has an app that can go on your smartphone and he loves it and his teeth are always so clean what do you think about them are they are they still good at such a young age yeah first of all thanks for sharing that um i think the more stories that are out there about people who have gone through the baby bottle carries thing or and and having that at a young age the more people that share the better we do at educating the population so other kids don't have to go through that same thing um but as far as the toothbrush is concerned absolutely if anything that can make your child excited to brush their teeth go for it Mm -hmm. if it's an app and it does a happy dance or something like that when (laughs) when they brush their teeth that's all good um you know, when you when you go to your dentist, be sure that they show you 
what you're supposed to be getting off of those teeth, all the plaque and the bacteria that builds up, and continue to monitor your child. Because most seven and eight, eight, eight-year-olds can do a good job of brushing their teeth when they take the time and uh, and and put that toothbrush in the right spot. And I, I like electric toothbrushes because it tends to do a little bit more of the work for the kids, and they just have to get it there. Just get the toothbrush in the right spot, and it does a lot of that work. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, absolutely. If your child loves that, loves using that toothbrush and um, is getting off all that plaque and the other stuff that's on those teeth, then keep on keeping on with it. And it may be worth the investment. I mean, uh, they're, they're usually – they've come down a lot. You can get a good electric toothbrush for a child for probably 20 or $30, and to me it's well worth it. Oh, yeah. He loves it, and he gets to decorate this little creature every time he's done, and he earns rewards. So it's, it's, we love it. Okay, Thank that's you. great. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for your call. Well, we'll take a quick break and we'll continue our discussions about oral health with Dr. Jason Vassar after the break. Uh, give us a call at 1 877 MPB Ring. That's 1 877 672 7464. Or you can always send us an email at kids at This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens and MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. We're talking today with Dr. Jason Vassar, who's a local dentist and orthodontist, and we're talking oral health and all things teeth today. So we'd love to hear any questions or comments you may have. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can always send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So we talked earlier um, briefly just about brushing teeth and how important it is to brush teeth. And um, you mentioned toothpaste. We talked about toothpaste and you mentioned fluoride. So tell us a little bit about like what fluoride does to the teeth and why it is important to make sure you have some fluoride in your diet for kids. Yeah, the U.S. Department of Health said a few years ago that fluoridation of public water was the greatest public health um, achievement of like the last dec, you know, the last hundred years or something. I don't remember the time frame, but um, it's done such. It's really changed the way that uh, that pediatric dentists and dentist work now because they're doing less and less cavities, and you know the teeth are just stronger. And the way that that, that fluoride works is it, it actually gets up. It uh, the teeth actually uptake the fluoride into the outer surface of the teeth, and it makes them stronger. Um, and just allows those teeth to combat cavities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's that simple. It works very well. It's been proven very safe. 
um, in the the quantities in which it's in you know your fl- your food and, and your drinking water. Um, but like anything else, you can have too much of a good thing, um, and so we have learned within reason how much fluoride is too much fluoride and at the levels that are currently in the drinking water supplemented with periodic brushing with spitting and and you know fluoride varnishes and that kind of thing when you go into the doctor those are all at a very safe level of fluoride um but if we have too much fluoride we can get something called fluorosis which is basically just a kind of a cosmetic change to the out to the outer surface of the teeth where they take up too much fluoride and they turn kind of white um, and there are some treatments for that um, that that can be done at at a, at a later age, um, and it's still a very good trade off. I mean, it's so much better to have strong teeth, even if they have you know a white spot here or there, than it is to have teeth that have cavities and fillings at a very young age. So there there's still some controversy out there about fluoride, um, but to as of as of today, there's the evidence that the research is overwhelmingly in favor of fluoride and its benefits. Yeah. And like you said, most all of our water supplies have fluoride in it. One question I get a decent amount is, um, does bottled water give you enough fluoride? Which most of them don't have sufficient fluoride. Right. Um, but yeah. some some do have or are supplemented with fluoride, but a majority right. of bottled waters aren't as sufficient as tap water or what you would get from your normal drinking water. Right, and that's you know, and there's there's some questions about um, the you know creating formula, for example, with mm-hmm. tap water for the fluoride that's that's in it, um, and you know it's generally recommended that the child's going to get enough fluoride from other sources that you don't necessarily need to mix that. Right. Um, so you can just use distilled water, you know, to mix with your formula and it's going to be very good for for your child. Right. And it'll be fine. But if you have to mix with tap water, it's, you're not, it, you're not going to give your kid too much fluoride, just right. mix in bottles with, ta- um, with tap water. So if you, right. if you have to, if you normally mix with distilled water, but all you have is tap water. It's okay to right. safely mix that. And so my, my advice to parents would be that there's a lot of things to worry about as a parent. Don't worry about whether or not your child's getting enough fluoride because if you're using a toothpaste, you know, when they get to that two or three and you start using a toothpaste with fluoride in it, sometimes when you go to the doctor, the, M, the pediatricians a lot of times will do a fluoride varnish and then the pediatric dentist also will. Yeah. So between all those other, all those sources of fluoride, don't lose too much sleep over yeah. whether your child has enough yeah. <laughs> or yeah. is getting too much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Make sure you talk to your either pediatrician or your dentist about fluoride right. varnishes because it is recommended to, to get those. Um, they also make some rinses and different things like that with right. fluoride in it too. Um, so if, you know, if you have a hard time, but like we talked about earlier, your, your kid really needs to be able to spit too. Right. So that's something that you need to work on if right. you're going to use those rinses and things like that. Yeah. So Those are all really good reasons to have that dental home that we were talking about yes. as soon as you have teeth in the mouth. Yes, very true, very true. Another thing that kind of, you know, with the fluoride varnish, another thing dentists can do are sealants, um, mm-hmm. that we do that for kids. Tell, do you, can you tell us a little bit about what a sealant is and why it may be important? Yeah, so is our teeth form... Um, they actually, the different parts of the teeth will actually fuse together. And that's why you have the little ridges and the lumps and that kind of thing on the biting surface of your teeth and on, on the on the front teeth also. Um, and sometimes in development, 
the teeth just don't quite form together just perfectly and you can have those little ridges and those grooves down in your teeth. Uh, and even if you have the best brushers in the world, sometimes <laughs> those brushes are not small enough to get down into those grooves and they can collect bacteria and uh, plaque and create some of that acid that we were talking about and end up with cavities. Mm -hmm. So um, one thing that has really shown a lot of success over the last 20 years or so has been uh, sealants. And they're becoming more and more widespread because these sealants is just a, a material. It's an inert tooth colored material that will uh, flow down into those little grooves. And then we put a little ultraviolet light on them and they turn hard. And so what that does in effect is seal, mm -hmm. hence the name, uh, <laughs> those grooves and um, helps protect the, the grooves of those teeth from getting uh, cavity. So it really d does a great job at protecting the biting surface of the uh, permanent back jaw teeth, especially. And so um, most kids, if they have those grooves, which m the majority of kids do, it's recommended that they do have sealants put in those uh, back jaw teeth. Yes, yes. So kind of on that same subject is flossing. And I know that's something that I honestly didn't do until I was an adult, uh, I will confess, um, even being the daughter of a dentist. Uh, but flossing is important for those areas that you can't get. So, um, I mean, it's it's never too early to start flossing, right? No. Again, I have to floss my three-year-old's teeth at night. <laughs> there are these little floss picks. I don't know if you've seen those. Yeah. But if you do have, have, have a child who's got contact between their teeth, um, in her case, it's her front teeth that are touching – what happens is that it's impossible with a toothbrush to get down between the teeth and under the gums. And so we have to go in there with, with floss or to get in there and really clean out all that bacteria and stuff that collects up under there because you can't get cavities down in there. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, any um, any surface of the tooth can have a cavity, and yeah. even between the teeth. And the other thing that, that, that can happen is your gums can get swollen, which is called gingivitis. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard about this. It literally means swollen, inflamed gums, and that's from not properly cleaning those areas out. Uh, in adult patients and rarely in children, you can actually get gum disease, which is called periodontitis, which is inflammation of the gums, and that's what can eventually lead to tooth loss and... Uh, you know, just other problems on the rest of your body. You know, mm -hmm. it can get into your bloodstream and create major issues. And so that's why it's very important, even as adults, to floss our teeth. But, 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 but it's terrible. I mean, yeah. come on. Hey, we all hate to floss. <laughs> even, even the dentist, we're probably among the worst. So, but if you can make a habit of it and be part of your routine before you go to bed every night, you will maintain your teeth for a very long time. Yeah. And, I will say the the reason I started flossing is because I'm one of those that got the cavities in between your teeth. Mm -hmm. So it happens. Um, and so I was unfortunately did not and had the cavities in between the teeth. So it happens. Um, the problem is with kids is it's hard. And it's, that's a hard thing to, to um, teach the kids to do and the right. motion of how you do it. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of times you have to do that for right. them. Um, so, but it is important to go in and instill that, just like we've always talked about healthy habits. It's important to right. instill that in as early as you can, um, so that they will learn to do it on their own. And the, as they get older, they'll continue doing it. Right, and uh, and don't don't make it just something that the child kind of has to grudgingly do every night. Explain to them why they're having to do it and why it's important, and you know, educate your child on on doing those things, and they will eventually take ownership of it themselves and. And like you said, develop those habits yeah. through adulthood. 
We're talking today about oral health with Dr. Jason Vassar. He's a dentist and orthodontist, and we'd love to hear any questions and comments that you may have. So please give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. We're talking today with Dr. Jason Vassar. Um, about oral health and the importance of oral health and all things teeth. And we'd love to hear any questions and comments that you may have. So please give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So we've got a few callers on the line. So we'll, we'll go to Craig first. Go, Craig. Go, go ahead, Craig. Okay, good boy. I, yeah, I have a comment and a question. Is one is when I'm flossing, I use a pair of hemostats and uh, use that on one end of the string. I give it one wrap and, and then clamp it on the jaw, and I stay away from the pointy ones. They hurt when they jam your cheek. <laughs> uh, and, and then uh, as a senior, I notice if I shine a flashlight on my teeth that I have cracks running longitudinal or, or up and down, and I was wondering if you can comment on that. Yeah, so I'd like to see some video of you flossing with those hemostats. That's impressive. Um, Yeah, it works really well. (laughs) I I can imagine, especially, you know, keeping a good grip on the floss. Absolutely. But to answer the the second question was on the the cracks there. Um, It's like like everything else in our body, as our teeth age, they show signs of wear and tear. Um, And a lot of times those are uh, what we call like micro cracks. Um, most of the time they don't cause any issues on occasion, uh, especially if you're biting something real hard or, you know, teeth are exposed to extremes in temperature a lot. Those cracks can spread. Um, when that happens, you can sometimes get some, some pain. Uh, so most of the time, you know, it, as long as it's not symptomatic, it's something that you can just kind of, uh, play, play by ear and just let it go until it starts causing you problems. Oh. But if, if you do okay. start having some major issues with it, go into a dentist, let them take a look and make sure before that tooth cracks, uh, and has to be taken out or some, something like that, make sure that there's nothing that needs to be done with those. Okay. Will, will that heal itself if I stop eating hot and cold? No, no, it does not. Once, once they're there, they are there. The tooth does not have any capacity to heal itself. Uh, okay. All right. That's it. Thank you. Thank you for your call, you. Craig. Okay. Um, next, we'll go to David. Go ahead, David. Yes, uh, I am. I'm 66 year old, 
And I probably got about uh, five teeth missing. And uh, I probably got five other cavities. Would I be better off to uh, have them all taken out or and then fall asleep put in? Or would I be better off just have the ones taken out that's got cavities and then uh, fall asleep put in? As a general rule, if you can keep your natural teeth, that's always better. But that's a decision that is extremely complex and can only be made with you and your dentist. Um, so when you go into the dentist, they're going to take a look at everything, and then uh, they'll take photos and x-rays, do an exam, and then they'll look at each individual tooth, look at bone support, look at your gum health. They look at just a vast number of things to come up with a treatment plan for you, and then they will give you options. And so it's a very complex decision that has to do with uh, the health of your gums, your bone, your teeth, your chewing function, and then, of course, um, financially, what's what's most feasible for you. So uh, I would rec- right. recommend having that uh, having a, an individual checkup. And Sounds good. I appreciate you, sir. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you for your call. We're taking um, we're talking with Dr. Jason Vassar today. He's a local dentist and orthodontist, and we're talking all things oral health and teeth. We've had some great calls, and we'd love to hear more from you. So give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll go next to Amy. Go ahead, Amy. Hi, I have a question about sealant. I got mine done, oh, gosh, twenty years ago, and I was wondering if it's been 20 years, and I'm pretty sure they're, they've had some wear and tear on them. Is there any chance I could get them redone as an adult? Sure. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's not all that common. Um, uh, sometimes, what depending on the depth of the grooves, they can go in there and just kind of smooth out the grooves. Or, you know, just have your dentist take a look. Um, if, if you've had good success out of them uh, and oh, they're still in good shape, you might as well leave them where they are if they've started to come out, then um, they can talk to you about all the different options that are available. Okay. Yeah, thank you for your call, Amy. Thank you. So we had a, um, a listener send us a question that I think is a good question, and we were going to try to talk about it a little bit. Um, Dr. Vassar is not one that takes the wisdom teeth out, but a lot of times you probably have discussions with people about this with their bites and braces and space and everything. But somebody asked, when would be the best age to get your wisdom teeth out? Yeah, that's another another good question. Again, we do see this. Obviously, you know, in orthodontics, we're, we see most – we see – Patients starting around seven, all the way up to eighty-seven, but the majority of our patients are at that uh, that age, whether eleven, twelve, thirteen, all the way up to, to sixteen, seventeen, which is when the wisdom teeth start generally causing some problems or at least developing. So, wisdom tooth is a third molar, typically comes in around eighteen to twenty-four years old. The vast majority of people do not have enough room for these teeth to come in, and so they try to come in sideways. They don't come in at all. They get stuck. They can turn cystic and cause problems. So, they can cause just a whole whole list of of issues for that reason um most of the time those teeth are taken out by the by an oral surgeon usually um and the decision on when those are taken out is also an individual kind of decision most of the time it's something that that uh, parents do for their teenagers before they go off to college um, because it can be a longer recovery it can take several days a couple of weeks to really get over having your wisdom teeth taken out and so that's generally something that you would want to do while they're still at home with you before they go off to college and you know all the other things that go along with being a college student. Um, and 
but what the the oral surgeon will do is actually look at the development of that tooth. Is it developed enough that I feel like I can take it out and it's going to be less traumatic to the patient? Do we need to give it some time and start developing? If they start hurting, most of the time they're going to go ahead and take them out, whatever the age may may be. But the, we generally tell our patients do it when it's convenient for you if you're not having any issues. But again, um, you, you generally need an x-ray to diagnose that and then have that conversation with ultimately an oral surgeon about when the best time would be. Yeah, and usually the earlier it's a little bit easier to Absolutely. take them out and the yes. recovery too because the more your tooth grows, the harder it's going to be for right. the oral surgeon to cut it or the dentist whoever to cut it out and mm. remove that tooth so um, generally the older we get to the the longer the recovery time is yeah with everything <laughs> yeah so <laughs> you know that's why it's generally if, if the decision is usually good to be made while while a teenager yeah yeah all right we've got a few more callers so we'll go next to brandon go ahead brandon hey how's it going good hey um i had a question uh, i hear a lot of my friends talk about uh you know, trying to use, like, chemical-free products and, and try to be, you know, more on the health uh, side of things. And one of the things that's tied along with that is brushing with activated charcoal versus brushing with, like, a typical toothpaste. And I was kind of wondering maybe what your thoughts were on, like, you know, brushing with activated charcoal mixes as opposed to, like, a traditional fluoride toothpaste. Yeah, I, I don't know a lot about um, how that how the activated charcoal works chemically. My guess is it's mostly a, a physical thing. So you've got the abrasiveness of those materials that are in that toothpaste that um, basically just abrade away the stains and the, you know, the the plaque and the, and the other buildup that's on there. Um, as a general rule, most dentists recommend that you use a toothpaste that contains fluoride, um, and that's kind of the key. Is if it's got fluoride in it then it's usually pretty good. So there are several available that may not have as many, you know, additives and that kinds of thing. But uh, it's most of the, uh, most of those products are operate, you know, more for marketing reasons, you know, it turns your teeth all black. So if it turns them black and then they get nice and white, then it must've worked, you know, just kind of that, that kind of thing. So I think there's definitely some, some benefits to the abrasive nature of, of those particular toothpaste, but I definitely don't think they're a better product than, you know, your over-the-counter toothpaste that has fluoride in it. Yeah. Cause, okay. Cause, All right. Yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for your call. Yeah, because even as an adult, you still need the fluoride. Um, you still need the fluoride in your toothpaste, so not just our children. So we'll go next to O'Neill. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing, ma'am? Good. Uh, thank, thank you for taking my call. I had a question regarding uh, my child. He, I have a nine-month-old young man, and uh, he has grown what seems to me to be an excessive amount. He has 10 teeth, and uh, he's, uh, he's eight months old. Well, he'll be nine months here on the 26th. Uh, and I was wondering, is that is that normal, or is that how it usually happens? Because, I mean, every person that I know that has a child, maybe one or less, or around his age, they seem to either have two teeth to none to maybe four. Now, are they, are they on the top or the bottom, both? They're top and bottom in the front? On the top and four on the bottom. And they're, they're all in the front? Yes, sir. Okay. You know, every child's different. Um, it's impossible to really put a number on it. You have general guidelines for how the teeth are supposed to come in. Um, you know, there, there are certain kind of rare 
conditions in which the teeth the, the patients have a lot of teeth, an abnormal number of teeth, um, and that's something that you know is probably not going on. But it'll be good to get them into a, a dentist for a good checkup. They'll count the number of teeth, make sure they're the right shape and size, and in the right location. And if all that looks 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 good, you're good to go. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you very much. I didn't know if it maybe have been some like underlying cause because I don't know what the association with calcium is to teeth growth. I'm like, am I giving them too much milk or something? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. And no. Unfortunately, you well, can't grow to grow, grow teeth with with milk. But yeah, but, uh, and you know, I in clinic I see that teeth is one of the biggest questions we have is mm-hmm. when are they going to get teeth and when are they going to crawl? And those are two things that I we just can't tell you when teeth are going to come in, how many teeth they're going to have. Um, because I've had four month olds at come for checkups and have teeth and I've had one year olds come for checkup with no teeth. So it's, it's such a varied thing. So, you know, like he said, as long as the shape is fine and the locations, you know, okay, then it's, it's probably normal. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you again for taking my call and uh, I enjoyed the show. Yeah. Thank you for calling. Um, we've got Steven on the line next, so we'll go to him. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, Steven. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I had a question, Doctor uh, Dennis, um, regarding underbite or under underbite jaw. So, if a person is like in the mid thirties and you know it's seek you know some help from a dentist or orthopedic uh, regarding like an underbite jaw, jaw correction surgery, would it be recommended at this age? And at the same time, what's the consequences? Uh, of that surgery if it's to be made. And one one of the things I've been noticing is is having, you know, a decay, tooth decay most of the time and been having a lot of crowns in my teeth. All right, that's that's a good that's a good question, and um, you know, bite issues are something that is an orthodontist. We, our actual name, it, the t- technical name, is an orthodontist and a dentofacial orthopedist. So there's a lot more to it than just straightening the teeth. Um, one of our jobs as a child, or in this case, you know, as an adult, but especially as children, as they grow and develop, and the, and the jaws form, we want to make sure that that everything's forming in the right way, and that the bite and the jaws and the teeth are all in harmony. So underbites can be caused by a number of different things. It can be a tooth-related issue. Um, maybe, you know, there's a tooth position problem, but the bones and the skeleton relationship is very good. In that case, it's usually something that can be addressed by moving the teeth into the proper position. The other situation um, is when the jaw growth is uh, not symmetrical, so to speak. So the top jaw is behind in growth compared to the, to the bottom jaw, for example, would give you that, that underbite where that bottom jaw grows down and forward too far. And that's one of the most difficult things to correct in orthodontics, no matter the age, um, because if, if a child has a potential to grow into an underbite, there's really not a lot we can do. We do our best, and I rec- rec- recommend seeing children starting at around seven or eight to look for those kinds of things, because the younger we can catch those, generally the better opportunity we have to correct them. But by the time you get to your 30s, obviously the growth has ceased. You know, typically among males, growth is done around 18, 19, or 20. And at that point, if we have a underbite that's related to the position of the jaws, then that's only correctable with uh, a, a surgical procedure in which we move the jaws into the proper position. Um, as far as the what to expect with that, 
um, every case again is different. And so, you know, that's, that, that, that would be a, that would need good cooperation and collaboration between an orthodontist and an oral surgeon to develop a plan that's going to be the best for you. Um, if underbites that are untreated sometimes don't ever cause problems, um, aside from maybe an aesthetic problem where the lower jaw looks very prominent and a very prominent chin, that, that kind of thing. In some cases you can have wear uh, of teeth because the teeth are not biting in the proper position. Uh, you know, sometimes that can contribute to jaw joint issues. So to answer your question, every case again is different based on whether it's related to your jawbone or your, or your, or your teeth. Understand. Okay, appreciate it. Thank, All right, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you for your call, Stephen. So um, that's kind of your wheelhouse is the the bites and braces and different things like that. So um, I know that's a, a common question that uh, probably a lot of people have, especially as their kids are getting that upper elementary and going to middle school. Right. And when do they need to see an orthodontist about potentially getting braces and um what exactly do they need braces for? Does every yeah. kid need braces? No. Um, the reason we, we typically, so the American Association of Orthodontists recommends that, uh, you know, a child sees the orthodontist at around age seven. The reason why is they start getting their first permanent teeth at around six. Mm-hmm. So those six-year jaw teeth or molars come in, and then the forefront teeth are generally falling out, the baby teeth are falling out, and then the permanent teeth are coming in. And that's when we really start to recognize any problems with development of the teeth, with development of the jaws, with bite issues. Um, and the majority of orthodontists don't charge for, for, for visits. Um, they offer complimentary exams, sometimes also complimentary x-rays and photos, because we don't want there to be a barrier to parents bringing in their kids for checkups because we've seen that some of these problems if they're intercepted at a younger age um, especially things like teeth that aren't coming in right you've heard of impacted teeth which just basically means a tooth is not coming into the mouth into the proper position or it gets stuck or comes in the roof of the mouth it can cause damage to adjacent teeth it can cause a lot of problems and sometimes we can see that starting around seven or eight that that's starting to develop um, jaw problems, growth and development, those are all important things. And the earlier we can develop a plan for those, the better. Now, most orthodontists aren't going to do braces on seven, eight-year-olds that come in except in certain circumstances because the majority of kids, when they get their permanent teeth around 11 or 12, are going to need braces, a full set, because they'll have jaw issues, bite issues, that, that kind of thing that need to be addressed when all the teeth are in place. So it's very problem-focused at a young age. You know, when they come in for an exam at 7 or 8, most of the time it's going to be everything looks good. You know, your child's teeth may look funny at this age. You know, you've seen 6 and 7 and 8-year-olds, and they're getting two front teeth in, or they're, you know, and they're all we, – we call it actually the ugly duckling stage <laughs> because eventually they will turn into a beautiful swan, Mom. Just be patient. Um, But on on occasion, there are some, you know, if the teeth are sticking out too far, it can become more prone to accidents and knocking teeth out and that kind of thing. And that may be something you want to address as the parent at a young age. So most orthodontists are very conservative and problem-focused in a seven- or eight-year-old, but we want to make sure that everything looks good. And that's something that they they can review with you when you come into the office. Yeah, yeah. So there's some kids out there that actually need braces more than one time sometimes. Right. Um, It it is indicated, again, that's something you want to have a discussion with with your orthodontist about. What are the pros and cons of doing this if we know it's probably going to have to be done again? Is it going to be worth the benefit? Is it going to help my child? 
Um, and those are all questions you should ask when you go in and, and, and treatment is recommended. Well, what are the consequences if we don't do this? And what are the benefits of doing this now? But uh, we that's the reason why we do recommend seven or eight for that first checkup. Okay. Um, one other thing I was going to ask you about, since you deal with bites so much, is what about kids that suck their thumb for too long? Um, or, you know, like... When should parents really intervene with that? Um, passies too, but I, yeah. I think the thumb sucking is is one of the harder things to break because you can right. just throw a pacifier away. Um, but thumb sucking is is one of the the nails in people's side that right. drive people crazy. And it it can have long term effects. It can affect mm-hmm. jaw structure and growth mm-hmm. and the development of the teeth. Um, we see it very commonly. Um, is the, the the simple answer is the sooner the better. Yeah. But at least by five or six because those permanent teeth are coming in. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you have the potential to disrupt the position of the permanent teeth. And you also, you also have gross spurts and development of jaws that start happening around that seven or eight mm-hmm. and continue on until that child's done growing. And if there's any kind of a physical object in between the teeth, whether it's their thumb, you know, a pacifier, maybe they suck their fingers. That's also a common mm-hmm. thing. Um, it has the potential to create a whole host of problems later on. And it's a very difficult thing to correct. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things, especially when you get up to a six, seven, eight year old, they have to be on board with it. That child has to want to stop the habit mm-hmm. or anything that you can do for that child, whether you put an appliance in there or there's uh, several different behavioral techniques you can use. If the child is not ready, then it's not going to work. So I, if if you have a child who can understand what's going on, which is that six, seven, eight-year-old, mm-hmm. have that conversation with them and let them know the importance, and then eventually they will come around and decide that they're ready to, to kick the habit. And that's when you know, you can use some of these techniques that really help. Yeah, but it's it's very important to, um, the like I said, the pacifier and the thumb sucking, to address it as early as you can because it does, you see the long-term consequences and try to have to fix that down the road. Mm-hmm. Well, real quickly, we'll get to our last question. We had a caller call in and ask, what's the difference between waxed and unwaxed floss? That's a great question. <laughs> I don't really know. One of them has wax, maybe. Um, but no, the the it's it's all about what's more comfortable to you. Um, a wax floss is going to slide in and out of a tight contact. If you have really tight contacts in between your teeth, and you know, you know, you're you're breaking floss every time you put it down in there, then you you might want to consider like a, a wax floss that'll slide down in there a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's what I have to use because mm-hmm. I have really tight teeth. So, um, and especially, um, it, it's a lot easier. I feel like to use the yeah. wax floss. So it that's is. you know, especially if you're just starting out and trying to right. teach your child how to floss, mm-hmm. I would think probably the wax floss yeah. just more because it's just easier on um, on the process and on the teeth right. and on your gums and everything mm-hmm. like that. So you, you can use the little floss picks, which just looks kind of like a a, a C shaped plastic stick so mm-hmm. to speak that's got a piece of floss in between it mm-hmm. a lot of people like those you can really get in there pretty easily you know yeah. going down the road or something like that yeah. i guess just as long as you're not driving yeah but if you're a passenger in the road you can do. Yeah. but um that seems to help people so anything that makes your life easier and promotes flossing if it works better for you and you enjoy it go for it yes um it is important to note that uh, things like water picks or water flossers are not the same we still recommend that if you do use a water pick, which is good, it's not going to hurt a thing. It actually helps you keep keep everything clean. 
Go ahead and floss too. We need to physically get in there with something and remove all that bacteria. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't realize that. So, well, thank you, Dr. Vassar, for being on with us today. We really appreciate all the the tips and the answers to everybody's questions. And I thank Thank everybody out there for calling and um, sharing your questions and comments with us. We've had a great show. Um, This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and Think Radio, and it's funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and from generous support from listeners like you. Today's show was engineered by Jay White. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod. Join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.